Welcome, Wildcat fans, to another episode of Weber State Weekly, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, a man who didn't even feel the heat when he took a trip down to St. George this weekend with the Wildcats, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we got a man who's so calm under pressure that he never times out on the Microsoft Authenticator, John King. You know, you never think it's going to be a lot of, you know, pressure getting that six-digit code in. Um, but, you know, sometimes you pull up, the, pull up the app, you got three seconds to do it. I'm the guy for the job. <laughs> he always gets it done in three seconds. And we have uh, next we have a woman who always gets that assignment in by 11.59 p.m. The signpost zone, Emily Miller. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you again on the show, Emily. Really appreciate you taking some time. I know you've been doing good work. The semester has been ramping up down at the signpost, so we appreciate you to come and talk a little bit about Wildcat sports. <clears throat> so on the show today, uh, we're going to be talking about football. We're going to talk about Weber State's matchup with Dixie State down in St. George this weekend, where the Wildcats rolled to a 41-3 victory. Uh, we're also going to be talking about volleyball. Sean Lewis and I were out at the match in Swenson Gym on Wednesday night last week to watch the Wildcats take on UVU in a thriller, five sets. The Wildcats getting the W, and then the subsequent match the next day down in Salt Lake that didn't go so well against the Utes. Uh, and then we're going to wrap this one up. We haven't done this one in a while. We're going to be doing Waldo's Magic 8-Ball. So looking forward to that and the questions from our panel for Waldo's Magic 8-Ball. But first, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. We're on lots of different podcast platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. If you don't catch these videos on social media, you can always catch us in your podcast feed on Wednesday mornings. So check us out there. Uh, of course, we're on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is one of the best places to interact with us on social media, especially on game day. And uh, we've got a Patreon. Go check out our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. If you become a patron of Weber State Weekly, you can join our secret game day group where we chat in our Slack channel during the game. And we got uh, takes not necessarily for the public sometimes. So that's where we say what we really think. Check out our Slack channel if you're a patron at Weber State at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. And, uh, of course, we got a blog. Go check out the blog, uh, WeberStateWeekly.com. There's lots of good content there. Uh, recently, uh, there was a big jump in our recruiting content from last year, so we need to get back on that. Recruiting is a big deal, and people want to know about it, so get back on the recruiting beat for you folks. And before we get into this segment, also want to shout out our sponsor, Wildcat Rack. Wildcat Rack is one of the best places to get officially licensed gear from the folks that care about the purple and white as much as you do. So check out wildcatrack.com. Got a couple of hoodies and uh, or have a hoodie and a couple of T-shirts. Got some new designs coming soon. Wildcatrack.com. Support our good sponsor there. So thanks to them. So, all right. Business out of the way. Folks, let's talk about football. How are we feeling? Uh, I mean, I, I got to say it was good to get an FCS game going into this weekend. You know, not to kind of be like, all right. And we're evenly matched with the program that we can uh, we can hang with. You know, not necessarily overmatched like we were down in Salt Lake. I want to want to ask our panel here overall grades from the Wildcats' performance down in St. George. John King, I wanted to start with you. 
Yeah, I'm going to give, uh, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, nitpick over a 41 to three win, but I, I think I'm going to give the Wildcats a B plus um, for uh, um, this, the, for, for last week's game. Um, offense got off to kind of a slow start, um, really mm-hmm. turned things on in the second half, but I'm sure we'll talk about first half um, uh, offense, per, offensive performance here in a little bit. Um, but the defense really showed up and showed out. I mean, any, anytime you can hold, you know, an opposing team under, you know, to, to just to just 161 yards passing, especially in today's football, that's a huge feat in itself. Um, kept kept Dixie State under you know 100 yards on the ground. Um, uh, you know that was kind of the performance we expect from a Jay Hill defense over the course of the uh, over the course of the year. So defense, I thought you know played very well, and they're obviously going to need to play really well this 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 coming week against JMU. But definitely some good signs from them uh, this past weekend. Yeah, uh, definitely the case. After that first drive by the Trailblazers, took the ball down, and the Wildcats ended up stopping them. They got a field goal. No more points scored. Uh, and, you know, part of that was because they ended up missing a field goal. But also, Wildcat defense did a really great job, like you said. Emily, what about you? Uh, overall grade for the Wildcats on this performance in St. George? Um, I mean, yeah, I don't really want to go with an A because I think somebody said it last week on the podcast. We really shouldn't be losing against Dixie State. So um, I think they did good, but I don't think like a 41 to 3 win is really something we can pick over. So maybe like a B or B plus kind of where John King was going with that. We did play without some key players, but I don't think that would have really changed an outcome for us against Dixie State. Yeah, good point, especially in the second half. Lost Bronson Barron to some sort of knee injury. Saw him on the sidelines, was wearing crutches, was no longer uh, wearing pads or anything like that. So something happened there, and Randall Johnson ended up coming into the game. And I got to admit, folks, I was not excited about Randall Johnson coming in, especially after the the way that the NAU game went in the spring. I was like, oh, man, you know, the, we really struggled to get the ball out of his hands. And luckily, the run game was working, you know, Damon Bankston and Dante McMillan just ran all over the Trailblazers in this one. But Randall Johnson had a lot of really good passes and was really cool, I thought, dealing with the pressure of the Trailblazers defense in a way that, you know, Bronson might have struggled a little bit in the first half, ended up throwing two interceptions because of it. But I thought Randall handled it really, really well, floated a lot of nice passes. And at that point, you know, they were just they didn't know what to do. They were gassed. So. Good to see him come in, but I wonder what the future holds for Bronson Barron and kind of how long that injury will last for him. So we talked a little bit about offense and offensive struggles. Um, and I wanted to ask, you know, of course, Wildcats marched right down the field, got to the got to the end zone in the first in that first drive. But then after that, they really kind of struggled. Things stalled until that that last touchdown going into halftime and i wanted to ask you all do you think that was kind of a turning point because it felt like after they came out of the half they were raring to go and they were and they were going i mean do you think it was a watershed moment john king for the offense to get that that touchdown to t-mac all alone in the end zone before the half Oh, I definitely think it was um, because, I mean, as you as you as you know, to Kobe, Kobe, you know, the offense really stalled for the majority of the uh, of the first half. I mean, you you have your first drive and your first drive, you're in the end zone within, you know, a minute and 42 seconds of you know the game beginning. You really can't draw anything, you know, anything better 
other than taking the opening kickoff back for a touchdown than than that. Um, but then to go you know, the majority of the first half without scoring again, um, you know, I think the uh, that the Ty McPherson touchdown was was very necessary because I'm sure if you were a Dixie State fan and you know you were sitting in the sands and you were like, well, if we can just get this game to seven, you know, going into the halftime at seven to three, we really have to be feeling good about where we are going into the second half. But you know, having that ability to you know get that touchdown before halftime kind of squash all hope of a Dixie State you know you know surge in the second half. Um, that was that that was to me a really really huge point in the game yeah for sure i mean because it felt like it wasn't a lot going on not a lot to hang the hat on it was a little bit of a disappointing half uh the the dixie state defense had done a pretty good job and so i wanted to ask you emily i mean with it seemed like the defense was really causing a lot of problems for bronson baron getting in his face caused him to make some uncharacteristic mistakes uh you know normally he's a very cool head only through like two interceptions in the spring uh but had two in this game alone and one of those i think his arm got hit or something like that so it was weird but i mean do you think that the 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 pressure up front was really was really bothering him that much or do you think it was more the fact that we had some guys out on the offensive line which ones do you think it was uh truth be told i'd probably say it was more um just men out on the offensive line. I know there were some errors in you uh, during the Utah game once Ty Whitworth went out. So I think that just kind of carried on to this game. I don't really like, like you said, Bronson Barron's a pretty calm, cool, collected guy. I don't think it was more his nerves. I think it was just odd placement, maybe new people not covering him like he's used to it. Yeah, because like like you noted, I mean, Ty Whitworth being out, uh, that was an important injury. You have an All-American out on the offensive line. And so I think that's going to that's going to play because a lot of the all of the new guys that are coming in, you know, some of them are younger. They're still kind of learning the ropes. And so maybe a good opportunity for them to get some reps against a team like Dixie State to see how guys play at the college level. And so they can kind of begin to ramp up because a guy like Ty Whitworth's not going to be around forever. Um, I wanted to ask you folks now, like we said, Bronson Barron ended up going down with a knee injury second half and Randall Johnson ended up coming out and ended up actually uh, doing a really great job. Ended up going five for eight. And um, I think he threw like 89. I have to have to pull the stats up real quick. Something like 89 yards himself. Um, and so I was really, really impressed with his with his work. Uh, yeah, through 89 yards all by himself um, on five of eight passing. I mean, how does that how does that help you feel going into next week where it looks like he may be the guy to start against James Madison in Ogden? Emily, what do you think? Um, I've had like a love-hate relationship with getting comfortable with um the quarterbacks at Weber State. I think Bronson Barron's, in my opinion, one of the most I think he makes us all feel the most comfortable being out there. Randall Johnson, he's definitely making me he he's making me feel better. I kind of felt like how you did with the NAU game. I didn't think that was too much. It was an awesome play, but didn't really win me over. So I'm hopeful after this game that he can take that for uh, if he needs to play for the JMU game. Yeah, like I said, John, it felt like he was a lot more comfortable out there. He dealt with the pressure, I think, pretty well. He was just kind of, I don't know, he was really casual, it almost seemed about it. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to run over here, you know, float a nice pass down, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find some guys. I don't know, John King, what do you think? How how'd you like Randall Johnson in this one? Well, you, you know, you, you hope that that comfortability, you know, 
translates and continues to go throughout the season because obviously we don't know what the status of Bronson Barron is. I mean, you know, not to speculate or anything, but whenever you see someone on crutches on the sideline, you know, during the game, like that's just always cause for, for, for major nerves, especially when that person is your, you know, starting quarterback. Um, you know, you hope that, you know, this being Randall's, you know, second, second year in the system that he becomes more and more, that he's more, much more comfortable than he was in the spring. Um, he does add some things, you know, that, you know, Bronson Barron doesn't really bring to the table. Um, mainly the, uh, the use of his legs, which, you know, um, can give an added dimension, uh, to this, uh, to, to this Weber state running attack, which was the, you know, main, the, the the main way that Weaver State moved the ball this past uh, this past Saturday, and he's and and Randall Johnson is going to give an extra element to that as well. As far as you know, as as far as things goes for this Saturday, I think time's just going to tell on that one because you know we we know we've talked about you know since we started season two of this show we've we've talked about how big of a game that this is with JMU coming to town this weekend. They are you know. Not the, they they are one of the premier teams in all of FCS football, and so um, you know hopefully this does give you know Randall Johnson some confident some level of confidence going into this game, just because he's probably going to have to play a a a, a very large portion of this game. Yeah, like you said, John, uh, not exactly a sign for confidence seeing Bronson Barron, you know, encroaches on the side of the field. And so that could mean that very well Randall Johnson could start. So nice to have some confidence. But you mentioned the run game. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about that because, man, D-Mac and Damon Bankston really had a great game. The Wildcats ended up running for 280 yards in this game ran all over the trailblazers most of that dante mcmillan himself running for let's see himself running for 153 yards uh damon bankston ended up with 51 himself and then you know uh, a collection of others chris jackson ended up having a touchdown there which was nice to see him get in but the run game was established early in this one and so emily i want to talk to you about that how much success do you think that this do you think that success will continue against a, a high level team like jmu um, because man, if it does, uh, that's going to be a good sign for the Wildcat offense. I definitely think we have the players who can carry our run game. I think it will just kind of be um, only time will tell against what defense or offense we're playing against. Well, I guess more so defense. Uh, I definitely think we have the players, but it's kind of hard to say against JMU. I'm probably the most nervous, but I think, like I said, we have the players who can, who can do it. Yeah, because um, they've definitely got some guys who can can slow the run game down. And if that ends up being the case, it starts to look a lot like the main game in 2018 where the Wildcats just couldn't run the ball and then had to were relegated to throwing the ball. And uh, that ended up causing a lot of problems and may end up walking away with the W in the quarterfinals in Ogden. So. John King, I wanted to ask you, I mean, Emily mentioned that, you know, we've got a lot of guys. Uh, we actually didn't even see Josh Davis in this game. He was dressed but did not play uh, something there. But, I mean, seeing seeing the kinds of numbers that JMU is putting up and, and especially holding teams, only held Maine to just seven points this last weekend, do you think that they will be able to establish the run game against a good team like that, the number three team in the country? Well, this is going to be a great challenge for, you know, not only the – 
you know, Weber State running backs, but also the Weber State offensive uh, offensive line. Because you're right. I mean, you know, JMU has done an excellent job. Uh, you know, limiting li- limiting the run game this year. You know, one thing that Weber State has the luxury of is that you know they have a stable of running backs. I mean, a couple weeks ago on the podcast, I called this group the 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 deepest position group on the entire roster. And you know, a game like last weekend kind of showcases that depth when you rush for 280, 81 yards in a game. I mean, you know. Obviously, you know, we know what Josh Davis brings to the table. We know that, you know, he's one of the premier running backs at this, you know, at this at the FCS level of football. However, if you go back and look at statistics, and this is just kind of a shout out to Dante McMillan, um, his statistics, you know, as far as like yards per carry and, uh, and, and, you know, total yards from the spring season, they weren't very far off from what they, they weren't very far off from what Josh Davis was bringing to the table. So, you know, to have that guy as kind of your, you know, your second, your, your second running back, um, that's a huge luxury to have for the, for the Wildcats just because, you know, running backs don't carry the ball 30 times a game anymore like they may have done 20, 25 years ago. So to have two guys that, you know, you can keep fresh throughout the, throughout the game, that's a huge, huge, huge advantage that just not many teams are are going to have. Yeah. And it's a fair point because the Wildcats will have that advantage. I mean, Damon Bankston, the freshman actually talked to his family at the, at the game because they were sitting right up above me and they were so loud. I thought they were Dante McMillan's family. So I went up there to talk to him. I said, Hey, are you guys DMAX family? They said, no, Damon Bankston and I was like, "Oh, well, your your kid's awesome. He's he's a track star. Great to see him, but also, uh, you know, Dante McMillan, great. So, I mean, a lot of good guys. I mean, like we said, true freshman coming in, Damon Bankston from Texas, but then also you had the opportunity to see some Chris Jackson. Could still be the potential to see some Josh Davis next week. A uh, lot of opportunities for guys to carry the ball uh, among this this core of running backs. So." Emily, I wanted to I wanted to flip the script now. Talk to you a little bit about the defense, because the Wildcats held the Trailblazers to 92 yards rushing, like John noted in the beginning there, less than 100 yards rushing, and then kept them to 161 yards passing. Um, and you know, cats off to Cody Wilson because he got a lot of passes out. But um, give me a grade. How are you feeling about this defense going into a tough matchup against JMU, based on what you saw against Dixie State this weekend? Um, I'd probably give like a, it's kind of hard. It kind of goes like with my previous grade. I want to give an A, but it's like, is Dixie State and Weber State comparable? So maybe a B plus an A. I am happy with how they played. I, you know, we know JMU is a tough team. They're going to be harder than Dixie State. I, I do think they'll show up. I mean, who was it that had eight tackles? Was it, um, was it George Charles? Was George Charles? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel confident. I I'll give them a B. I think they're. I mean, I hope they're ahead of where. I, I hope they're 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 ready for Saturday. I think they are. I think they'll show up. Yeah, and I would say that it was good to see some uh, some really great play from George Charles in that game. Uh, there was a game where he forced a fumble, ended up recovering that fumble uh, because of his work there trying to 
sack Cody Wilson. And I think it was, if it wasn't in the red, in the red zone, it was very, very close. And uh, for the fans in the stadium, it was clear that Cody Wilson was going to be sacked. But then when the refs came up and said, oh, Weber State ball, like, wow, the Wildcat defense just stole three points from the Trailblazers right there by causing that fumble in the red zone. Because if they were, because I, I think it was on third down and they would have had to kick a field goal. But then, boom, George Charles causes the fumble and uh, gets recovered. Kudos to the Wildcat defense there. But yeah, like you said, uh, Emily, eight t- total tackles, five solo for George Tarlis to lead the team. Uh, Sharon Lavaca showed up there, four total tackles. Three of those were solo uh, with one assist. Uh, man, just great work by the Wildcat defense. It's nice to see them gaining some confidence. John King, um, I mean, based on what you saw with this defense at, down at Dixie State, uh, anything else stand out to you about them as we head into a tough week? against one of the top opponents in the country. One one quick th- one quick thing, you know, about George Charles before, you know, before I get to that point, you know, it was really nice to see him lead the team in tackles. You know, we talked about him. One of the keys to this Wildcat defense this year was going to be him having a bounce back year um, from, from, from the sp- spring season. So for him to have an eight tackle game, you know, like this going into maybe the most important regular season game of the season, um, that's definitely uh, something that you want to see. Uh, as far as the defense goes, you know, defense has been the Wildcats calling card for the last five years. So, you know, I have no doubt that, you know, this defense is going to go into this game against JMU this Saturday and be very, very well prepared for everything that the Dukes, you know, um, have, have, have to throw at them. I mean, you know, it's all going to come, uh, that's the, the defense is really going to set the tone for this matchup that's, uh, that, that's coming up this week. You know, the two things that in my opinion are going to, you know, determine the game is one, can Weber State get consistent pressure on the uh, on, on the quarterback of, of JMU? And the second thing is going to be, you know, who's going to be able to control the line of scrimmage? Like, can the Weber State offensive line move the defensive line of uh, of the uh, of the Dukes? Because you know, Weber State is a run first football f- football team at the end of the day, and having and 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 we're going to need to be able to establish that ground game early on because we are a team that that runs the ball to open up the passing game not a team that you know uses the passing game to open up the running game so having that you know early control is going to be really really big um for the wildcats this weekend against jmu yeah good point because um cole johnson who plays quarterback for the for the duke um Really, really cool and collected kid. Um, his coach, I mean, and this is coach talk, of course, but, you know, compared him to Tom Brady <laughs> recently, but uh, has a lot of confidence, though, um, uh, in, in this in this quarterback, this young quarterback for the Dukes. And so if the Wildcats are going to have any sort of success, they're going to have to make sure that they're getting to him early and often to kind of get him out of rhythm. And I think that that will give the secondary an opportunity because I think we saw that against Dixie State once the Wildcats started to really get at Cody Willstead because there were a lot of opportunities where missed tackles, sacks that should have happened that didn't because of bad tackling, weren't wrapping guys up. Um, it caused Willstead to throw some balls that ended up getting picked because of the great secondary that the Wildcats have. And if you can get some of that going against 
against the Dukes and against Cole Johnson early, uh, you may have a recipe for success, but uh, it's going to, it's going to come down to pressure because if he sounds like the kind of quarterback that if you're going to give him all day to throw the ball, he's going to pick you apart. Eventually he's going to find his guy. And uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the guy who won the CAA. Um, he won CAA player of the week offensive uh, Antoine something ended up getting like 180 something yards uh, in, in receiving yards this last week against Maine. So they definitely have a weapon out there and I won't be surprised to see Eddie Heckard on, on that guy as the, as the game wears on. And in both so for- games that the Wildcats have played against JMU, uh, you know, over the past, over the past couple of years, um, you know, the, the Wildcats, you know, there has been a receiver for the, for, for the, for the Dukes that has really had a big game in both games and they've had some success, you know, getting over top of the Weber state DBs. And one way to help neutralize that is just going to be if the Wildcats can get pressure on and, you know, Get pressure on 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 the JMU quarterback. Um, you know that that doesn't allow those receivers to get over top of the defense like they have in the past. Yeah, because um, another thing to note is um, while that receiver was named offensive player of the week, Cole Johnson was named offensive player of the week the week prior. A lot of offensive firepower from the Dukes at the quarterback and wide receiver position. They've got a lot, a lot of good connection there. Emily Miller, anything you want to add to this before we wrap up our conversation about football and move on to volleyball? Um, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see JMU come to Ogden because we clearly know what can happen when they're, um, when JMU is hosting, but I think I'm hoping that Stewart stadium will bring some good luck to our, to our Weber state team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Normally Stewart stadium is a place that is very difficult for teams to come and play on the road. Um, but I, do you all think that, I mean, JMU coming from Virginia, um, Coming now to Stewart Stadium, 4,700 feet, playing at altitude. Do you think it makes a difference? What do you think? Well, as someone who is from the area of the country where JMU is from, I grew up in a town about 30, 30 minutes south of where JMU is. I remember my first like month in Ogden, Utah, after moving to Utah from, from, from Virginia. The altitude's a real thing. I mean, you know, now granted, I wasn't a high level, you know, division one athlete or anything like that. But, you know, for me, just a normal guy, like, you know, those first couple of weeks were like, whoa, this is definitely different from anything that I've experienced. And, you know, JMU doesn't really play a lot of games at altitude. So, you know, that's something we're going to know really early on whether or not that's going to be a factor in the game because, um, you know, as someone who's from that area of the country and move west to Ogden, I, I think I think it definitely could have an effect on the game. Mm. Emily Miller, what do you think? Um, altitude going to be a factor in this one, or do you think that the Dukes overcome it quickly? It, see, I'm, I don't have the same experience. I came from California with somewhat high altitude, not too crazy. So it didn't affect me when I moved out here as much as I feel like some people. So I don't fully grasp the whole altitude thing. Like people say it's hard. Um, I'm excited. I think one of the things I feel like Weber State gets some gets a hard time about this, but how close the fans sit to the visiting team. Oh yeah. Um, if you've ever been on that side, I've seen some players unwind real quick. So I'm excited to see with 
uh, how how badly Weber State fans want to beat JMU. I'm excited to kind of see if that will happen again. I've seen some, like I said, I've seen some uh, uh, visiting players really unwind with uh, the Weber State fans. So nice. I think that'll be exciting too, but not really affect the play. It's a, it's a good point. Uh, I think that we definitely noticed that in the Kennesaw State game a couple of years ago in the playoffs. The Owls did not take kindly to the student section sitting right behind their bench. Simo, uh, a few year, uh, the year before that, they definitely didn't enjoy that. And so I think that it's a good point for, uh, and a good plug here, Emily Miller, to note to all the Wildcat fans, if you're listening, make sure that you get as many of your fellow Wildcat fans out in the stadium as possible. Uh, the the players and the coaches are pushing really hard to sell out Stewart Stadium uh, and make that a home field advantage for the Wildcats being as loud as they possibly can. It is the home opener. It will be a blackout game. So if you have black Wildcat gear, make sure to wear it. But bring as many of your family and folks as you can to this game, because as loud as you can be behind that bench is as much as you can get into JMU's head. Wildcats are going to need all the advantage they can get to take on a tough opponent like this one. Um, so Kickoff will be at 6 p.m. Uh, on Saturday the 18th. Uh, we'll be out there tailgating 4 p.m. in the north parking lot. So if you want to come hang out with the Weber State Weekly team, please do. We'll be out there in the north parking lot doing some tailgating and uh, just hanging out, talking to some folks. I know that there will be some JMU folks out there. Uh, they've already asked a little bit about what to do in Ogden. So there will be some folks there. And also we've got the Big Sky Podcast Network pod father himself, Chris Hammond. He's going to be heading on down to uh, check it out and uh, come making his way down from Idaho. So we'll be hosting him as well. To, so show, show him how the Wildcats do and uh, make sure he has a warm welcome in Ogden. So with that, folks, let's wrap up our football conversation. Let's move on to talk a little bit about volleyball. Uh, we had a really good and emotional match this week. Uh, Wildcats ended up taking on UVU, the WAC champion. They were a tournament team in the spring and, and ended up losing in the first round. But um, they they were tough. I mean, uh, I don't know if you all had an opportunity to watch the match. Luckily, I had the opportunity to go in the Swenson gym, did a live stream with Sean Lewis. But um, I wanted to ask you all if if you didn't have the chance, uh, just kind of overall impressions, you know, from checking out the score scoreline. Uh, how, how did you think that that match went? Match went, and uh, the Wildcats back after you know clawing their way back from being down two two matches to one. John King, what do you think? Well, I think this was a big win for the Wildcats. I mean, I remember last last spring, you know, when the uh, um, NCAA tournament seeding uh, came out, we, you know, we on the show were all kind of like, wait, why is Utah Valley seeded so much higher than the, 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 than we are? You know, and I think that kind of that kind of left a sour taste, at least in the our you know podcast host mouths, because you know we I think we we viewed ourselves as probably a better team than what Utah Valley was, and so I, I know that this was a game that you know I had personally cir- circled on the um, uh, on the volleyball schedule this year. I'm sure some of our you know our student athletes uh, uh, did as well. But so that was a really, really nice win because, you know, I know that they had a little bit more favorable draw in the uh, NCAA tournament than what we had. And so to beat them when they had to come to Ogden this year, I think that's a very, very sweet victory. Yeah. Um, Emily Miller, there was also a ring ceremony at the beginning. The ladies got their championship rings and they unveiled the banner. Uh, How were you feeling when you saw that banner hanging in the Swenson gym? First one since 1988. Um, I, so I interviewed Rylan Adams this earlier last week 
And I was just talking to her about the team dynamic. And she said something that I feel really sums it up well. She said her and a whole bunch of her teammates were just a bunch of misfits who really only got recruited by Weber State. And I think but when she said that, it kind of just showed how hard they've actually worked. So it was pretty, it was a pretty satisfying moment to see that banner drop and then get those rings. Because I think it's finally showing the hard work they've uh, poured into the program. Yeah, we've definitely seen Jeremy or heard Jeremiah Lesser, you know, make the same uh, statement that he's kind of you know this band of misfits that have come together, and now we've got some All Americans, and we've got some uh, we've got a really quality team here that's been able to beat some some tough in-state opponents. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about that UVU match because it was an emotional one. Wildcats ended up taking the first set, but then ended up losing the next two. So, I mean, at that point, Wildcats are down two to one. It's not really looking well for them. Uh, it looks like wow, they might end up losing this one. Talk to me a little bit about that. How how are you all feeling? You know, especially after the the way that the match had gone, you know, losing twenty five sixteen and then a closer one twenty five twenty two in set three. I mean, were you thinking that the Wildcats were going to come back for set four? Did you think they had it in them? I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it always makes you makes you nervous, you know, when you drop, especially like the second and the third set, because that means you've got to come back and you've got to win in in, in five sets, and because the fifth set is so much shorter than a regular set in volleyball, like that just is kind of a, anything can go. Uh, and, and that set, you know, when you play a set to fifteen, I mean, you know, one bad run of points and the set's over, and you lost the game, and so you know. After losing the third set, you know, I was kind of sitting there and I was thinking, I was like, man, I was like, you know, we're going to have to win the fourth set. And then, you know, we're really going to have to be on our game, you know, in the fifth in the fifth sets, because, you know, if you have a slow start, you're you're going to lose that set more, more, uh, more times than not. So, um, you know, when you drop those two middle sets, you know, in any volleyball game, I mean, that just makes things really, really tough. Um, but, you know, the, the Wildcats were able to prevail and. That was a big win for the program. Yeah, Emily Miller, uh, the opportunity then for the Wildcats came in the fourth set. They never trailed in that set, you know, came out and took care of business. Um, Service aces were the order of the day. I mean, once that started happening, I mean, do you think that the aces carried the momentum? Kind of talk to me a little bit about how you're feeling as that fourth set kind of continued. And then, wow, you know, they ended up they ended up getting the W and pushing it to five. And then like John King said, anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, the the Wildcats definitely had their backs against the wall. So I think in the fourth set, I have to give it to UVU. Like, that's a hard team to play at home. Uh, you know, they protect that, win, that at-home win streak pretty hard. So I got to give it to them. I don't really ever think about UVU. They don't really, as bad as it sounds, they don't really <laughs> exist in my head in the athletics world. So I was a bit surprised, but... Um, I think with our backs against all, we kind of had to take whatever points we could get. Uh, not leading, I think the cats really picked up, you know, picked up the momentum, collected themselves, and you know, did business. Yeah. Do Do you think? I mean, aside from the aces, they ended up having uh, six aces in that fourth set. Uh, was there anything else that you felt kind of like led were the keys to that? to that comeback because like we said they never led but it did get close a couple of times and their backs were definitely against the wall uh something i've noticed about that team is if you've watched them play i they don't fall apart like you can see some other squads do when you know times are tough they just pick it up and play the game of volleyball so i think just who they are as a team is kind of what got them 
overall through the fourth and fifth set to bring that win home. Yeah, and then like John King noted, anything could happen in that fifth set, which is exactly what happened. So the Wildcats come in, and uh, they they started out with a run, ended up winning that one 15 to 11, but it wasn't that close, folks. Like the it was really more like 15 to nine, and they got lucky on a couple before the Wildcats ended up wrapping it up, winning an emotional set. Get the three-two win against UVU, the WAC champion, and uh, you know photos, handshakes, and high fives all around, as Steve Klauke says. But then came the Utah game the next day. Uh, Wildcats, I think. Uh, maybe uh, t- tell me what you think here, folks. Like the Wildcats, when they have really emotional close sets like that, like the one against Brigham Young, seems like the next day, if there's another another match like they had against Michigan State, and then once again against Utah on Thursday last week, they ended up having to take the trip down to Salt Lake City to play the Utes really struggled in that game after a lot of emotions and ended up just uh, never really kind of being in that one, losing 25-19, 25-20, and then the final set 25-13 to get swept out of the gym. Um, do you think that it's it's um, a, a function of just being tired, having played the night before? Like, like what do you think causes uh, that kind of hangover, John King? <laughs> Well, I think, you know, obviously Utah was one of the tougher teams, you know, on the on, sure. on the non on the non-conference schedule for the Wildcats. So, you know, that definitely uh, that definitely plays a role in it. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I just think that, you know, it just wasn't a very good game. Uh, for the Wildcats, just to be honest, I mean, when you look at the hitting percentage um, for, for for the Cats in that game, I mean, to only um, be successful on you know basically twelve percent of your twelve uh, percent of your shots, like that's a um, that that that's a rough day, especially when you compare that to you know Utah, who was successful on you know thirty three percent of theirs. Yeah. Um, you know, the the second set was particularly rough for the Cats, who only converted on you know had a hitting percentage of a little over nine percent. So you know those games happen i mean you know there are just times where um uh you know the, the the tempo just gets away from you and it's easier for the other team to set their blocks up versus you set your blocks up and also you know creating angles to where um you know you you're hitting against you know one person block versus a two person block or you know or no block sometimes you know depending on how you control the tempo it was, but it, overall i mean it was just kind of a it was just kind of a rough game for the cats yeah. John King, you noted the hit percentage, of course. Uh, the Utes ended up with a 33% hit percentage, while the Wildcats just won 22 in that one. Uh, Emily Miller, I wanted to ask you this because it's a trend that I've noticed uh, in a few matches this season, having watched um, against some of these more quality teams. The block does seem to be suffering a little bit. Uh, it suffered against UVU, and then we saw it again against the Utes, where the Wildcats only had... Um, yeah, there weren't a lot of blocks. They ended up with three uh, to the to the youth seven um, normally. Uh, so Leona Woodley, the, the freshman, ended up having two. Ryan Adams one. Danny Nay uh, just one as well. Not not the front line that we were used to seeing. And so I, the question came to my mind. I wanted to put it to you. Do you think the Wildcats are kind of missing Caroline Broadhead more than they anticipated because that block was really solid in uh, the spring, but with her departure from the program and from volleyball altogether, um, it hasn't quite been there. Do you think that missing her is part of that part of that? And the other, the new folks just haven't quite got gotten on the same page yet. Um, I mean, I, you know, there's always going to be that rebuild. I wouldn't count them out yet, though. Like, Emma, I'm probably going to butcher her last name. Um, Mangum? Mangum? Emma Mangum. Yeah, Emma Mangum, yeah. 
she was you know she you can't forget she was she was dubbed the northern utah classic mvp like i think like if there's always that rebuild you know and i think we're you know right where we need to be obviously we can't take away um i mean byu was ranked 13th and they took them to the fifth set correct me if i'm wrong utah was 20th ranked 20th um i think it's just kind of you can't ask you just kind of have to ask yourself like who's next not like replace replacing anybody it's just who's going to step up next and i think we'll be fine yeah, I think it's a good point and one that Coach Jeremiah Larson has made on conversations on this show talking about how, you know, Emma Mangum, they, they knew that, you know, she was going to have the opportunity and she has played well in, in this in early on in the season. And like you said, in the Northern Utah Classic, you know, sort of a dual host thing between Weber State and Utah State. Uh, she played really well. And so maybe still learning the position or getting comfortable with some of the new faces around because there are some freshmen in there, you know, starting some new rotations. But uh Maybe an opportunity to continue to grow, and uh, hopefully that confidence continues to grow there because we'd love to see that block get in. We're also, we haven't mentioned this yet, but Cass Kurtzinger, who is a, a transfer in from Southern Miss, also uh, a sophomore middle blocker, maybe getting familiar with the system as well and still trying to gel with this team as a transfer. So... So we'll look forward to the matches coming up this week. Uh, they're going to be on, I think, Thursday or well, Thursday, Friday, I think, are our matches this week. Uh, yes, Thursday, Friday. And so we'll talk about that uh, coming up. But now I want to move to the final segment of the show, folks. I want to bring back Waldo's Magic 8-Ball. Folks, we went up in, on campus today and we got Waldo's Magic 8-Ball to talk, to give our panel an opportunity to ask it the most burning questions in their heart about some of the, the sporting events that are coming up this weekend. And so, uh, Emily Miller, I want to start with you, and I want to see if you have a football question for Waldo's Magic 8-Ball. Do you have a football question that you might ask? Uh, I could go between two. You know, I could ask Waldo's Magic 8-Ball if Ty Whitworth will be in the game, or I could ask the question we're all dying to know, is Weaver State going to win? I'll go with one of those two. Okay, uh, I, I think that we'll go with... Uh, from what I've heard, it sounds like Ty Whitworth should play. So I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm going to go with the with, with the the full thing, man. We're going to go with the big kahuna here. Are the Wildcats going to win against the Dukes on Saturday night? Let's shake Waldo's Magic 8-Ball. And our answer is, ooh, signs point to yes. Maybe an upset a brewing here in Ogden. Hope to see it. But, uh, man. Some confidence from Waldo's Magic 8-Ball, which has been known to be salty in the past. So, John King, what about you? What's your football question for Waldo's Magic 8-Ball? Is Josh Davis going to rush for 100 yards on Saturday, assuming that he plays? Okay. Uh, another good question, uh, because Josh Davis has been a key piece of a lot of wins in, in Wildcat history of, of late. And so let's ask the question, will Josh Davis rush for 100 yards? Should he play on on Saturday against the Duke Ogden. Shake it ball. Outlook not so good. So either Josh Davis ends up not playing or maybe they have a tougher time establishing the run game against that Duke's defensive front. So, all right, folks, now I want to take it down. Let's talk a little bit about volleyball. We just got done with that segment, so it's still fresh in our minds. Emily Miller, do you have a volleyball question for Waldo's Magic 8-Ball? Um, let's ask if the front line is going to stand out at the Omaha challenge. 
Okay. It's a great question. I think uh, the Wildcats are in Omaha. The, uh, I think, I think it's Ashland powers hometown or close to it. Anyway, she's from Nebraska. And so Wildcats will be out there playing Omaha and they'll also be playing Kansas state on Friday, uh, Thursday, Friday this week. And so let's talk about that. Will the Wildcats and that, that block that we just talked about, will they establish themselves out in Omaha this weekend? Shaking Waldo's magic eight ball. I like the answer. Yes, definitely. All right. So just took a little bit of time to get them established and now they're going to be rolling. So love to see it as we get ready for conference play. John King, do you have a volleyball question for Waldo's magic eight ball? So this weekend will end um, uh, non-conference play. And then I made a pretty bold prediction uh, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. So I'm looking for some positive reassurance from the eight ball. Um, but will the Wildcats go undefeated in Big Sky Conference play this year? Okay, this is this is a big question because uh, the Wildcats, I mean, this week um, there have been some some good good matches. Uh, maybe Northern Colorado is taking a step back, but we are also eyeing Northern Arizona, who was very good last year, should continue to be good. So some others like Sac State, Montana State, and it looks like maybe Montana is also having a resurgence after getting absolutely demolished by the Wildcats in the spring. Will the Wildcats go undefeated in conference play? Shaking Waldo's Magic 8-Ball. Ah, my reply is no. So Waldo's Magic 8-Ball, not as confident about this team, especially with a return to normalcy in the schedule. Instead of playing the same team twice in the same arena in a weekend, uh, it's going to be a little bit more normal. You're going to see them. There's going to be a break. You'll see them again on your own floor. So looking forward to all of conference play, but it looks like not undefeated. They didn't say that they wouldn't still be conference champions though. So (laughs) let's go one more folks. Um, I want to ask about hockey. So while Sean Lewis and I were at the game at Swenson gym on Wednesday night, right behind us was sitting the club hockey team. Talk to those guys for a minute. Uh, Really nice guys. Uh, They've got a lot of really cool things going on. And so we wanted to make sure that we shouted them out. Uh, Go check out the hockey team. It is club, but they will be starting their home play this week. And so I wanted to ask if you all had any hockey questions. They'll be starting against UVU on Friday night, taking Utah State on Saturday night, and be playing all throughout the the academic year. Uh, Well, that's not true. They'll be playing throughout the fall and the spring. John King, any hockey questions that you have for Waldo's Magic 8-Ball? Well, here's a question. What, what what's the what, what club level are the are, are the is the Wildcat uh, club ho- hockey team in? I went to see one game when I lived out uh, in Ogden. I had a great time. Uh, I had I had a great time. I think we played Utah Valley, in uh, in that particular game. Um, but I guess I, I guess the question would be, um, you know, will the will will the Wildcats win uh, their their version of a you know national championship? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. John King going right for the jugular saying, all right, man, uh, I just found my, out. My, 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 my club hockey, you know, knowledge and, and, and takes just just aren't aren't where they need to be. I'm, I'm, I'm figuring this out. No worries. Don't feel bad. Uh, you know, John King, when you first moved to Utah and you asked me about hockey, you're like, hey, so what's up? Caps won the uh, Stanley Cup that year. And uh, you were asking me questions about hockey. And I said, sorry, man, I don't know anything about hockey. I grew up in Utah. <laughs> so let's shake Waldo's Magic 8-Ball and see what they have to say. I mean, Wildcat Club Hockey, we gonna we going to win the Natty at whatever level they happen to play at. Shaking it and... 
Don't count on it. Oh, man. <laughs> they made me wait for it, too. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I like an honest eight ball, you know. Uh, Emily Miller, what about you? One more, one last question for Waldo's Magic Eight Ball about hockey. Uh, hockey is probably my most comfortable sport. So, Great. you know what? Don't take away from that Weber State team. They bring in a lot of fans. That's a game you should go to. But um, I don't think we're going to worry too much about UVU. But the real question is, how are they going to do against Utah State? That's a big rival for those two teams. So I wonder how they're going to do. Okay. And uh, I think to note, uh, those games, puck drops at 7.15 up at the ice sheet, uh, which is tough on Saturday night because everybody should be over. We're at Stewart Stadium still, so tough. But uh, like you said, they've got great hype videos, and it seems like they do have a, a pretty strong following. So bringing Utah State down from Logan into the ice sheet, let's ask, are they going to get it done? Because that's uh, I always love beating a rival. And uh, while those Magic 8 Ball coming through on the last question, it is decidedly so. So book it, even though a lot of folks may not be there because of the football game. Wildcats going to roll against the Aggies, and I love hearing those words. All right, folks, uh, we want to do a couple of some upcoming events for this week before we wrap up tonight's show. Uh, Thursday, September 16th, volleyball at Omaha, 6 p.m. I didn't see on the app if that was going to be on ESPN+. Plus. I don't know where you can watch it, so I guess we'll find out. If we find out something, we'll be make sure to put it out on social media. Friday, September 17th, volleyball will be taking on Kansas State at noon. Soccer will be taking a, a trip. They'll be playing at Oral Roberts at 6 p.m. And then, like we noted, hockey taking on UVU, 7 p.m. at the Ice Sheet Puck will drop at 7.15. Then Saturday, September 18th, we've got football. Football against James Madison, 6 p.m., ESPN Plus, and 103.1 The Wave. Don't worry about that. Watching it on TV, though, because if you're in Ogden, make sure you're there. Blackout game, and we'll be tailgating 4 p.m. So check it out. Make sure you get as many folks as you can up to Stewart Stadium. Sell out Stewart. That's what we want to do. Coaches and players are asking for it. Let's give them what they want. And then, like we noted, hockey will be taken on Utah State at 7 p.m. Puck will drop at 7.15 uh, at the ice sheet. Then, finally, Sunday, September 19th, uh, soccer will be taken on Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Uh, that game will be 12 p.m. That will be on ESPN+, Plus, so you can watch that one. They had a tough weekend, uh, ended up losing to UNLV by a, a goal, and then also losing to UC Riverside by a goal. So just a, couple, a bunch of heartbreakers for the Wildcats uh, this, this year so far. So we're wrapping up the show now. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, ideas, please feel free to email us at Weber State Weekly. Uh, Weber State Weekly at gmail.com is the address. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Twitter is the best place to interact with us, especially on game day. Uh, we also have a Patreon, like we noted at the top of the show. Go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. To become a patron, you can join our Slack channel where we talk about game day stuff. And uh, that's where we give our real hot takes, folks. So Hop in there if you want to be a patron and help us support our work. And then finally, like we said, we have a blog. WeberStateWeekly.com is a place where you can find some of that written content. And we'll see about maybe doing some uh, some video content, too, once I get a little bit less busy. So uh, with that, we're going to wrap up the show like we usually do, folks. want to appreciate, say thank you to Emily Miller for say, taking some time from the signpost to join us here on Weber State Weekly. And John King for staying up past his bedtime on the East Coast. So I'll wrap it up like I usually do and say, Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 <laughs> Go Wildcats. Oh. <laughs>